0: live from the Business Radio X studios in Pensacola, Florida, it's time for Pensacola Business Radio. Now, hear your Business Radio X hosts. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. This is Keith Hilbert, Pensacola Business Radio, and uh, another entry into our international series. And I have on the other side of the uh, microphone here, uh, Dave Hutchinson with uh, Ford Navitas, who is uh, joining us uh, here from the States, although uh, you sound like you're from far away, huh?
1: I'm from Scotland,
0: Keith. That's right. <laughs> well, welcome, and thanks for joining us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you. So, hello, everybody. I'm Dave Hutchison. I live in Florida now. My wife's American, I'm originally from Scotland. Um, just a quick rundown of my background I spent 25 years working overseas as a satellite systems engineer. Um, I worked in Pakistan, Nigeria, Bermuda, Belize, the Falkland Islands, Taiwan, all over the world. So I started my career on very large satellite systems, uh, large antennas, 100 feet in diameter and weighing 400 tons. So we did international communications for many countries. Um, I spent three years working in communication support for the NASA Space Shuttle Programme. And then I moved on to smaller systems. So I did contract work around the world, and my last posting was in Nigeria. Um, About 12 years ago, um, I became very ill with malaria, and an old back injury from a parachuting accident came to the fore. While being treated for that injury, a chiropractor used too much force under a set of very unusual circumstances. And I was left completely crippled. So all the best spinal doctors in America told me I would never walk again. I was curled up in a fetal position in bed for six months. And everyone basically told me my life was over and I'd be in the wheelchair forever. So being a Scot and a former paratrooper, I refused to accept that. So The doctors were unable to even tell me what was wrong with me. So what I did was I used my engineering background to study spinal mechanics. I bought models of the spine and the pelvis. I figured out what had been done to me. It was an extremely complex and rare injury. But because I didn't have a medical degree, Nobody would believe me. So six months in, the pain had become so bad I was going to get my right leg amputated. And I was three weeks away from getting that done when I met a chap called Al Milus, M-E-I-L-U-S. And he was a former robotics engineer with General Electric. He now works down in Tampa, Pinellas Park. And he developed a robot with a grant from NASA and the Department of Energy Um, and it basically breaks up scar tissue. It's a unique device. So he's an engineer as well. I called him up on the phone. He agreed with my diagnosis. It was related to what's called the sacroiliac joint. I went down to see him and he was the guy that got me back up on my feet. Um, because of my injuries and the fact that I'd barely moved in six months, I had to spend eight years in physical therapy. Um, just basically, I could either lay on the floor or I could stand up, but I couldn't sit because my tailbone had been damaged so badly. So I basically spent eight years laying on the floor in the house. And then a few years ago, as I was starting to feel better, I wanted to get back out into society, went to a little um, coffee shop nearby and by pure chance bumped into one of the main shareholders of 4Navitas. And um, he asked me, what are you doing? I said, not much. I'm just rehabilitating just now. And he said, would you like to be the U.S. representative for the company? So that's basically how things started a few years ago
0: okay and uh, are you there yes okay so uh, okay so for those that don't know uh, what Four Navitas is good uh, just give me a rundown here sure uh, <clears throat> Sure, exactly. So most of us are familiar
1: with regular wind turbines. We call these horizontal axis wind turbines, and you'll see them all over the Midwest and elsewhere. But these turbines suffer from a lot of problems, and I'll go through some of these uh, quickly. The first one is reliability. These turbines have a gearbox, just like you have a gearbox in your car. And that gearbox tends to wear out because of the vibration from the wind. So usually every five years, you have to replace that gearbox. Now, that's A, a very expensive business, and be technically difficult. You have to get a crane to go up to the top of the turbine. You have to get the gearbox out and this must be done when the wind is not blowing too fast for safety reasons and then get the gearbox out and then either send it away to get repaired or get a spare one put in. Um, We know of clients, not our clients but other companies' clients who have been off the air for weeks and even months so this is a major problem when turbines and with a very large one, You could have a whole community that has no power for that period. So what we've done is we've got a unique energy absorption system. Our turbine rotates on a vertical axis, not a horizontal axis. And using a special secret sauce, um, we absorb most of the vibration from the windmill, so to speak, at the top the blades, before they reach the gearbox, which is down at the bottom, of the wind turbine, not up at the top. So we have very, very high reliability. Then for maintenance, all the electronics, mechanical parts are in an air-conditioned shelter down at the bottom, so you don't need a crane to get up to it. Then radar... um, wind turbines are affected by radar one third of the uk cannot be used for wind turbines because of interference to civilian and military radars we have radar mitigating mechanisms so our headquarters is just down the road from a very large military and civilian establishment and we've had no problems with interference with radar birds and bats Um, birds and bats in a migratory pattern will actually go right through the blades of a regular wind turbine. Um, They're actually rotating faster than it appears. So, Our particular design does not hurt birds or bats. Then for installation, if you have a regular wind turbine, you have to dig a big hole, you've got to put concrete in there, you have to get rid of the spoil dirt. That can involve massive numbers of trucks, you have to build an access road, and by the time the concrete cures, that could take weeks or even months Um, We use a patented screw piling system. It's very tough, very reliable, and it only takes four days to put the turbine in and it would take another four days to dismantle it and, move it and move it somewhere else. So it's got very rapid installation and deinstallation. And then another major advantage that we have is that the turbine can operate in an urban environment, in a city. So you might say to yourself, why don't we see more wind turbines in cities? Well, there's two reasons zoning and technical. So, the first thing zoning when you have a planning or zoning committee, um, three things they look at height, noise, and the effect on birds well. Our turbine is no taller than a standard cell phone tower, and they are ubiquitous. You see them all over America. So height is not a problem. And then noise, we've got one of the quietest turbines in the world. That's been certified by Siemens. So very, very quiet turbine, that means you can put it beside a school, a university, a college, etc., etc., and it doesn't affect birds. Now, the last reason, the technical one is very important. When you have a city environment, the wind that blows through there does not do it in straight lines. It doesn't do it in what we call a laminar flow. It's turbulent. And if you're in a place like Chicago in the middle of winter and you see a leaf getting blown, you'll see it going up and down and left and right. So it doesn't move in a predicted pattern. With a regular wind turbine, if you have that type of a wind pattern that will actually shake the transmission shaft, which will affect the gearbox, and then that will fail, we've designed our system to actually use that turbulent energy there. And the German company Siemens is our main technical partner, and they've recognized all these advantages. So they've actually put out a press release that has stated that our turbine is going to revolutionize um, the whole wind turbine industry. So those are basically just some of the advantages, Keith, of the turbine that we have. It is a completely new type of turbine. There have been many vertical axis wind turbines out in the market before, and Siemens looked at all of them, but the problem was reliability. What they found was that the blades, which were rotating around that vertical axis, they kept having problems with that. We've managed to conquer that. And the chief designer, um, Professor Keith Towell, he was the guy that designed the wings and landing gear for the A380 Airbus, which is the biggest airliner in the world. So we have a small but very skilled technical team with us, and then we've got the technical backing of Siemens, who's our partner.
0: So what uh, what made you guys go after this this problem? And very interesting,
1: problem? yeah, yeah, very interesting. <clears throat> excuse me, very interesting question. But what happened was that one of the chaps who runs the company is a keen yachtsman. And he's from England, but he was working out in California. And on his boat, he had a very small vertical axis wind turbine, a tiny little thing, and he used that to power his radio and his radar. And it was very, very efficient. He was getting a lot of electricity out of this little thing compared with some of the other smaller ones that get put in yachts. So he thought to himself, I wonder if this could be scaled up. So he did a bit of research, and he wasn't involved in wind energy at all. It was only because he'd seen this thing working on his yacht. So he started doing a bit of research and found out that The Sandia National uh, Laboratories or laboratories in the United States had said that this is the most efficient design, the vertical axis wind turbine, much more efficient than the horizontal one. So why was nobody building them? Well, people had been building them before, but they couldn't get them to work properly. They couldn't get the balance of the blades around the transmission shaft And that's when this chap met Professor Keith Towell and spoke to him and said, do you think you could resolve these problems? And that's what he did. So it was basically just by pure chance that all of this got started.
0: Wow, and so uh, you, you're about to to go ahead and launch these. Um, why don't we have wind turbines in, in like everywhere? Like, I mean, yeah, very good, everywhere.
1: excellent, a- <clears throat> excellent question. <clears throat> well, one of the reasons is that you need to get a certain wind speed to be able to use these things economically. In other words, the cost of purchasing it and installing it. Not everywhere has the required wind speed, but we've developed a gearing system which will allow us to use a low-speed system. So that's the first thing in relation to wind speed. The same thing is zoning. <coughs> um, cities do not like to have wind turbines because of the noise that they create and because of the height of them. Those are the two principal reasons why conventional wind turbines are rejected by zoning or planning committees. Well, we've gotten around that. In fact, our turbine is so quiet that when the engineers were testing the sound, they put calibrated microphones at different distances away from the turbine, the noise of the grass actually overwhelmed the noise that was coming from the turbine so ours is the quietest turbine in the market and then it actually looks a little bit and is about the same height as a conventional winter as a conventional cellular telephone master so it's not that high up it's about 30 odd meters uh high just over about 100 odd feet
0: so, will we start seeing these uh, more and more in some of the more urban or, uh, yes. uh popular areas?
1: absolutely. And in fact, we are working with an Asian government just now. And one of the things we're going to be developing are smaller units that will go on the top of multi-level buildings. Because the higher you are up off the ground, the faster the wind blows. And it doesn't do it in a linear manner. It it does it in a sort of a logarithmic manner, which means as you go higher up, that wind speed increases quite dramatically. So we're going to be developing smaller ones. And then for the military, we're going to be developing a transportable unit. Now, why is this important? Um, In Afghanistan, the vast majority of the... Injuries there occurred not from direct conflict, but from people transporting fuel and supplies to remote camps because they had to transport fuel for generators. So the military is very keen on having something like a wind turbine that could be used for these remote sites, and there are civilian applications as well for disaster relief, for operating in remote areas to drill for water, etc. And this will be a collapsible turbine. It will be like an old-fashioned telescope that you can pull out and then close. And this will fit into a trailer. So these are, and we're also going to develop in very large wind turbines as well. So these are a couple of things that are on the the drawing board at the present moment, as well as something that's very exciting, and that's a new design of water turbine so you might look around the world and see rivers and streams and big river that flows through chicago and mm, seattle and places like that, and wonder why don't they put water turbines in there well a couple of problems with conventional water turbines they tend to shake themselves apart because the water is turbulent our design utilizes that turbulence mm-hmm. and it's a very reliable system so We are going to be developing, we've got all the designs done for it just now. We'll be doing the first prototypes probably later on in the year, the first part of next year. And this device can generate a lot of power. It's extremely reliable. looks like a little mini catamaran. And you would just put that into a river, put an anchor in the bottom. And if you've got water flowing 24-7, you will get power 24-7. So this is uh, something that everyone's very excited about.
0: Yeah, well, except for the power companies, right?
1: <laughs> well, here's, here's an unusual thing. Everyone, everyone says that, and that's what I thought at first. But there's a very strange relationship between the power companies and the renewable energy companies. And let, let me give you a, a, a brief analogy here. Right, imagine that you had a brand new city in America of a million people. So you knew a million people were going to live there. So you're the power company. So you make an electric plant that can produce power for a million people, plus a little bit of overhead for people moving into the the area. Well, what happens in places like Orlando and Los Angeles is massively more people are moving there than what was planned for. So you might say to yourself, well, let's just build a new power station. Well, that's a massively complex problem. Say, for instance, 5% more people moved into the city than had been planned for. To build a power station, you can't just have a little mini power station scale it up. They tend to be in big increments and blocks. And you have to get land, you've got to get the place built, you have to get staff. It's very expensive. So for small increments of power that are required, uh, alternative energy is is a very good thing for these power companies. Because it means that if you have extra people moving into an area or if they're having technical problems at one of their stations, then they can use that alternative energy. Obviously, if alternative energy was producing the same amount as a big power company generating station, that would be a different matter. But it's not. They're just producing smaller amounts of power, and the big electric companies like that, because they can call on that power for surges. For instance, take an example in California. Um, When the temperature goes up, if a heat wave hits, everybody switches on their air conditioners, and that sudden requirement of power can cause brownouts or blackouts. So having alternative energy on standby will help smooth some of these things out. So it's a very strange relationship that the power companies have with alternative energy. It's basically like, you know, we will like you to help us in a small way, but don't get too massive to compete with us. And that <laughs> right. that is- unle- yeah that is unlikely to happen because of the very nature of you know nuclear power reactors, gas power generators, oil power generators, et cetera
0: Wow, wow, very cool. okay, so how long until you are uh, out in the u s market and sort of making your rounds
1: right, okay. So basically, what happened was we spent many years developing this turbine. We have just finished developing our Mark II turbine that got certified a short while ago. Um, we've got a dozen turbines that are going to get put in in Scotland. And as soon as that is done, that will begin in October, then we're going to really be focusing on the U.S. market. I've already met with a lot of business groups in the United States. Um, I've been up in Tennessee, been over at the Kennedy Space Center, various places. There is a lot of interest in the turbines, but of course, People want to see how many we've got installed um, in the first instance. So this major project in Scotland is going to get that rolling. And then I'm working on a very large project over in Asia just now. So over the next six months to a year, um, we should be ramping up the U.S. operations dramatically
0: very neat very neat so okay so how many people are are, are in this company to, that you very are very
1: small yeah, yeah very small what, what we do is this <clears throat> we thought about building factories in the u.s in fact i spent about six months going around the u.s trying to get suitable sites and things and then We thought, well, wait a minute, why don't we just subcontract out? Because obviously having a factory is expensive, the land and all that sort of thing. So what we do now is we've got a very small core of engineers and business people at our headquarters in Blackpool, and we subcontract out all the manufacturing. So for the U.S., um, our whole business model's changed. Three years ago, the company didn't want any part of the turbine being built anywhere because of mm-hmm. secrecy. We know that there's a lot of people who would love to get their hands on our technology. but. What we've done now is we've worked with Siemens and we have special control software with special keys. So now we're actually encouraging the manufacture of the turbine overseas. So the biggest part is the big steel tower in the middle. And we're talking to a number of US companies just now to actually manufacture most of the turbine in the united states and that will help the economy here it will create jobs and then the main thing that we would supply would be that software to get the whole thing up and running and moving and this is one of our primary business objectives overseas i've been up to washington i met with ambassadors from a couple of embassies there. We're talking to a large number of governments around the world, basically saying to them, look, we want to manufacture in your countries now. It will save money um, dramatically, and it will provide jobs, etc., etc." And that's what we're going to be doing in the States.
0: Man, that is some incredible work. So, uh, uh, you know, this is a... Uh... This has been almost um, – I mean, you've got to be really dedicated to get into this kind of stuff and, and spend a couple of years sort of in the <clears> hole <throat> figuring it all out. So, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, it I wasn't easy,
1: Keith. Yeah, I mean, I had no, no wind energy experience before, but because I was a satellite systems engineer, I'd run very large facilities overseas, and you had a very rapid learning curve. You had to learn about power systems, transformers, as well as the electronic systems for the satellite gear. You had to learn about Cisco networking, all sorts of stuff. So I was fortunate to have a, a good background in electrical work and power distribution. So this all fit in quite logically um, for me through that chance meeting at that little coffee place. <laughs>
0: That's great. You know, the universe works in mysterious ways sometimes, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Keith.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, 12 years ago, I was told my whole life was over. I was in a a darkened room, curled up in a little ball, and every single doctor saying, you're going to be that way for the rest of your life. But I refused to accept it. I set about finding what was wrong with me. And then when the doctors wouldn't listen to me, I searched for someone who would listen to me and help me. And fortunately, I met Al Milas, down in Tampa and I, I literally own my life for that I'm still not 100% I have all sorts of medical problems but I can live my normal life I can brush my teeth drive a car go for a meal sit down all stuff that I couldn't do 12 years ago well, you know my model too. I jumped. Yeah, I mean, I'm (laughs) I'm hurting from I'm hurting from that just now. But you know, that's part of the airborne spirit. It's part of the parachute regiment spirit. And um, I'm a Highlander from Scotland, and my people, where I come from, we don't let things break as easily.
0: Yeah, let me tell you, I went, uh, when I was younger, probably a good almost 14, maybe even 20 years ago, my dad and I went uh, river rafting on the Moline River in Canada. And uh, it's a level five. And those that were uh, rafting with us were from the uh, um, English and Scottish uh, airborne platoons. Oh, and, um, tell you, oh, it was very. It was a very interesting ride down the river. They were jumping from <laughs> boat to boat, and, and <laughs> to all kinds of stuff that you know you shouldn't be doing on a class five river. Right? We have blats. The crap out me, but man, those guys had fun. I, I'll never unbreakable awesome. spirit. So
1: yeah, that's, well, uh, that's what it's about. And this thing, Keith, is to show that you know. There are resources out there that doctors do wonderful things. If I had a problem with my heart or my kidneys or anything, I would go straight to a doctor. But I will tell you this, very few doctors understand what causes back pain. I've dedicated the last decade to that. And the vast majority of back surgeries are not required. Most back pain is caused by postural dysfunctions. In this modern world, we sit all day, we've got our head down from texting, we drive, it contracts pelvic muscles, it contracts neck muscles, and the brain's sends a command signal to the back to tighten up, to bring us upright. You don't see these back problems in developing countries. So there's always hope.
0: Yeah, very cool. Well, uh, Dave, for anybody else that might be interested in the work that you guys are doing or wants to get in touch with you, where can we send them to?
1: Right, okay, well, there's a couple of things. So my uh, email address is letter D, Hutchison, H-U-T-C-H, I E S O N at Yahoo dot uh, sorry uh, D Hutchison at four navitas USA dot com. So, number four navitas USA dot com. And then on YouTube, if you put in four navitas, you'll see some nice videos we've got of one of the uh, turbines getting put in. And then also we've got our um, company web page from the UK, um, which I'll just pull up here just now, just simply for Navitas.com.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I want to thank you for uh, spending some time with us this afternoon and uh, for telling Great. us about your incredible story.
1: Yeah, thanks very much, Keith. Very nice talking to you. And if anybody is interested in either the wind turbines or looking for some direction with help with what happened to me with my back, you know, I'd be glad to talk to anybody about that. So, again, very nice having a, a chat with
0: you. Oh, great, great. Well, stick around one second. I'm going to get us out of here, and then we'll uh, we'll catch up when we get done. So, uh, sure. so as you can understand. Okay. You can find us at Picola Radio X on Twitter. You can find us at Picola BRX on Facebook, or you can find us on our website at businessradiox.com. Uh, Dave, I want to thank you again for coming in today. And uh, this has been Pensacola Business Radio, where business is good and your work matters.